Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. I'm Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Janikin. Thank you to everyone who subscribed to our Patreon account this week. We just put up some new content. That's patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. And we'd like to give a shout out to everyone who subscribed this week. We had Mackenzie, Rory, MN, Jesse, Marnie, Imogen, Carolyn, Timothy, Alexis, Marsha, Mish. Justin, Lauren, Ellen, Elizabeth, Catherine, Tennessee, Lauren, Future Primitive Past, Joey, Miss V, and Paige. Thank you all so much. You really help support the show, and you're not just doing it for nothing. Like I said, we have like at least 200 episodes of additional content that you don't have access to on the free feed, and... You also have our main episodes and our mini episodes that are available ad-free. If you hate listening to advertisements, go join our Patreon for $5 a month. You get all that content plus the ad-free episodes. Yeah. Was that a good, was that a good plug? Very good. I'm laughing because you uh, really look like a mess. I'm sorry. I mean, you don't God. look bad, but no. your hair is like Ugh. kind of like falling down. It's just really funny. You look like you just like went through like a hurricane or something. <laughs> like your tank top sleeve was or strap was falling down. And then you were like doing the Patreon. It's like, okay, Calm it's okay. Down. Everything's going to be okay, Rachel. See, <laughs> your, your Patreon dollars can help pay for me to get uh, proper hair care. <laughs> I mean, your hair looks fine. It's just like you literally look like you've been cleaning all day or something. I have. Like you're like a you're like a mom who's oh. like uh, had it up to here. I have been cleaning all day. Uh, okay, first of all, I need to make a correction. So Desi's correction corner. Last week, I accidentally said Helmut Lang when I meant Helmut Newton. You did. I did. So thank you for the correction. People, I actually knew that, and for some reason, my dumb brain still fucked me over and said the wrong name. You're thinking that was like the designer. No, it was the photographer. I meant the photographer. I know, but the, but I said missed, Helmut Lang, the said, designer. Right, right. So uh, some people pointed it out to me. So I'm thank you, but no thank you to the person who acted like I committed an actual murder <laughs> for making this mistake. <laughs> If you don't know, this is the flagship podcast of the Dumb Bitch Network. We make mistakes sometimes. It's okay because none of our mistakes cause irreparable harm to anyone. We fuck up names sometimes or dates or get something wrong. It's no big deal. Uh, If this is one of your particular pet peeves... That's on you. (laughs) Not the show. No one's here to to hurt you, and everyone is not here to cater to to your little pet peeves. (laughs) I don't get that uh, uh, luxury. No one does. Uh, So thank you so much, babes. 
<laughs> That's my correction corner. I just think it's funny when someone makes that mistake and someone is literally acting like genocide has happened. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people fuck up those two names. Like, well, there are two fashion guys named Helmet. <laughs> Helmet is a very unusual name. <laughs> but the funny thing is, in my head, I knew what it was and I still said the wrong name. Do you know how that happened? Of course. Look, it's happened to me too. I've got, we've, we've gotten a lot of corrections on this show and and it's and and we appreciate the corrections but we what we don't appreciate is acting like we just killed your dog yeah it's just i mean it's funny because it's like come on like i hope i hope that person was joking uh otherwise they must get a, have steam coming out of their ears a lot a lot uh anyway back to janice dickinson we are back part two janice dickinson once again, I used her memoir, No Lifeguard on Duty, which is a very fun read. And it's 100% factual in every way, I'm sure. <laughs> we are at a real turning point for Janice Dickinson as things head into the 80s. Just a slight recap. Janice's mentor, agency owner, and former model, Wilhelmina, has just unexpectedly died of lung cancer at the age of 40. The model wars are in full force. Uh, and... Studio 54 has just been busted by the feds and Janice is a huge regular. So she's still flying high though, literally and figuratively. Nothing can keep her down at this moment. She even has a little bit of a success as a photographer. She's starting to get into fashion photography. When Peter Beard, another artist and photographer, sees her pics and loves them, he is someone who also discovered Iman. Because he is like, um, he he photographs all over the world and discovered her. Uh, and Janice um, has a story about him as well. He was once married to model Cheryl Teagues, who, when they first started dating, had him remove a, fo- a poster that he had hanging in his office of Janice, saying she wouldn't date him until he took it down. Ooh. So Janice loves that story. Of course. She tells it all the time. So he helps her get her photos hanging in Bloomingdale's. I don't quite know for what. So that's a big deal for her. She goes there and looks at them, which is kind of cute. So add to that the potential of moving over into an acting career. Because where we left off last week, Bill Cosby wants to meet Janice for one of several projects that he has in development. Now, Janice finally sets up a meeting with Bill at his swanky Central Park Hotel. When she shows up, he is there with Telly Savalas. (laughs) Now, Janice says he's insane. So, you know, if Janice says someone's insane, they're really insane. She reminds him that he was a judge when she won Miss High Fashion Model. (laughs) It is kind of funny to keep running into Telly Savalas. Like, that's a life. So he, she said he looks like he wanted to ravage and murder her at the same time. That's a hot combo. No, it's not. Not if it's (laughs) Telly. No. It can be. <laughs> well, who is it? Yeah, I mean, Telly Savalas. Come on. He's like someone who was probably hot back in the day, but now he's definitely in the stages where he's still acting like he has it, and he's kind of an old man. You're right? acting like you're a size four. <laughs> yeah, you're acting like you're a 45-year-old star. <laughs> you're old now. Uh, so she's obviously charming the pants off of them with all of her little stories. She said they were perfectly polite, but at some point, Telly looked like he was about to ask Bill to hold her down while he had his way with her. So Telly is horny. Before she leaves, Bill tells her to read Stanislavski's The Actor's Way. 
as if she's going to be in anything that that would be warranted for. Uh, I don't think so. And he also is like, hey, give me your home phone number. Janice immediately goes uh, to go buy that book, and she starts reading it to prepare for her acting career. The next day, he also tells her she has it. So he's really schmoozing her. The next day, she meets with a musical director at Cosby's request. His his thing for her is that he wants her to sing as an opening act for his uh, various um, like shows, that his comedy shows, like she'll open up for him in Vegas as a singing act. Uh, Janice has no experience singing, by the way. So this is clearly he's just putting her on. Yes, she does terribly, but the musical director tells Cosby she was great. Janice is like, oh, like that's how things work in Hollywood. At a certain level, everyone just tells you what you want to hear. Right. Uh, he says he's thinking of having her open for him in Vegas. That's great news. Just then, his assistant pops in to say his wife is on the phone, and Cosby gives him a look that could kill. Like he's clearly mad, like, not now's not the time to bring up my fucking wife kind of deal. Uh, but obviously he has to go speak to his wife. He leaves and the music director tells Janice, he must really like you. Now, later she tells her sister, Debbie, she thought Bill wanted to sleep with her. And her sister replies, of course he does, because you can't fucking sing. <laughs> like, oh. duh. Now, Cosby never calls Janice, but Janice is on to the next drama. Monique Pollard, uh, who is... Um, one of Janice's close friends at her agency, she's a booker at Ford, has her come in for a meeting. She tells Janice that Gia is in trouble and she wants Janice to look after her. Now, we can all agree at this point that Janice is probably not the world's best babysitter in a situation like this. Janice meets Gia at Trader Vic's that night. And Gia had recently graduated from cocaine to heroin. So we did a whole episode on Gia. She, this was obviously affecting her work. She was already kind of borderline not into anything. Uh, so obviously drugs impacted that. She had recently left a Richard Avedon shoot saying she was going to the bathroom, but then telling Janice she just left because she was bored. Oh, no. I mean, that's obviously that's a top tier photographer. You don't do that. All the men at the bar were staring at them, according to Janice. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> if you see Janice and Gia just sitting at the bar, these two hot women, like yeah. at the peak of their hotness, Gia was just like, look at all these assholes. According to Janice, she hated men. And they started talking about the worst pickup lines they had ever experienced. Janice had one that said, hi, I'm Gary, and you're going to be screaming my name all night. That's such a <laughs> like, gross pickup line. <laughs> horrible. It's horrible. Gia said someone once grabbed her butt and said, is this seat taken? Gia decked him. (laughs) Uh, Then they went to find some coke together. So, so much for keeping an eye on Gia. They actually started working a lot together um, for the next few months. But Gia once gave Janice heroin instead of coke and Janice punched her in the face. She was so mad that Gia slipped one, like slipped that in for her. She just wanted coke. Uh, Gia actually was into Janice hitting her and was like begging her to hit her more. So Janice stopped because it was turning her on. Uh, We all know Gia is sliding further into addiction and reckless behavior at this point. And Janice begins keeping her distance uh, eventually. Now, besides that, she has a lot of parties to go to. One night she's at a party full of famous men and she was trying to decide who to go home with. Her options were Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Warren Beatty, and Jack Nicholson. Uh, so that's a pretty good lineup of famous people to uh, possibly fuck. You go home with Warren Beatty. 
Well, Robin was too frenetic for her. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying on cocaine. <laughs> Dustin was too short. Warren was too good looking. Oh. Jack was initially someone she's like, eh, he's too much of a wolf. But he was hilarious. I mean, Jack Nicholson has a personality. Absolutely. So he ultimately wins out. Uh, that's who Janice wanted to go home with the most. Warren Beatty will be back. They went to the Carlisle suite that Jack had booked. Janice said he wined and dined her, talked to her all night, made her laugh. He was okay in bed, but the next morning he pissed her off. While she was getting ready to leave for her shoot, he said to her, don't let anyone, uh, don't tell anyone you let a star come inside of you. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. I have no idea. Like, was there some kind of unwritten rule? Is that like an, yeah, is that an unwritten celebrity rule? Like you can't jizz in another, in a model? Uh, Or like you're not, maybe it was just his way of saying, don't say we fucked. Don't tell anyone. Because he is with Angelica Houston at this time. Oh. uh, Too. So. um, But if he didn't. But still, I was like, is that his. (laughs) As long as he didn't jizz, it wasn't cheating. I guess so. I have no idea. It's such a... So that pissed her off. Uh, She said, I hate to come and go. (laughs) But then she got out of there. She arrives on set. Everyone knew she left the party with Jack Nicholson. So they wanted to know what happened. And Jana said, yes, I've spent all night fucking Jack Nicholson. Now, if you don't mind, can we get to work? Which is definitely a baller (laughs) thing to get to say to everybody. Okay, can everyone move on? It's not that interesting. uh, Yeah, seriously. Now, Jack keeps calling Janice, but she does eventually feel bad because she has met his longtime girlfriend, Angelica Houston, several times. Angelica Houston was a model for uh, a lot of times in the 70s and maybe into the 80s. Um, So she also was like, I don't need another daddy thing. Like, I need to get past that phase. Well, she doesn't. But another famous who was interested in Janice. Famous? A famous person. Yeah, a famous. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. He wants her to audition for Raiders of the Lost Ark. No way. She doesn't even remember. She's like, we spoke when we were. I was drunk, so I don't really remember the conversation or what happened. And she described this period as the beginning of her blackout drunk period. Uh, so another man calling John uh, Janice nonstop is John Casablancas. He really wants her over at Elite, and he tries to make things very enticing for her. One thing is Monique Pollard has recently left Ford to go to Elite, so that's her big connection at Ford or the person she likes at Ford. She still harbors a lot of resentment towards Eileen Ford, so she agrees to meet John. She said she'd move over if he agreed to a 5% commission uh, rather than what she was paying at Ford, which I think could be upwards of 15 to 20%. Uh, I'm not sure. It's So 5% is very low. He says she's crazy, um, but she's like, well, having me here will be a big win for you because a lot of people want to go where I am. He eventually agrees. And she calls Eileen Ford right there in John's office. She tells uh, Eileen's assistant to get Eileen on the phone, and it's Big Lip Janice who wants to speak to her. <laughs> So Eileen does get on the phone. She tells her, I'm leaving and I never liked you. I don't like you and I never liked you. The only good thing about Ford was Monique and now she's gone too. Uh, So I don't know what the hell I'm waiting for and I'm leaving. Uh, She hangs up the phone and John is immediately like, you're crazy. 
Uh, So that's how that relationship starts. So Janice said she no longer had Eileen Ford to kick around and she needed someone to kick around. So she calls up Warren Beatty, who finally agrees to meet her. (laughs) Now, she drags him along for a while, uh, refusing to sleep with him, which of course makes him want her even more. Um, they do finally fuck. She says Warren is great in bed. He knew where everything was and how to how to work it. Uh, according to Janice, <laughs> they saw each other for the next eight months. She also is like, well, he had a lot of experience, which is true. Uh, yeah. He fucked everyone. So soon uh, they saw each other for eight months. Soon after their breakup, Janice is in L.A. for work and ends up at the Roxy with her pal, the owner of the Roxy, Lou Adler. Of course, that night she ends up dancing on the floor with some hot guy who at some point she realizes in her drunken drugged haze is Mick Jagger. Oh my God. Now he tries to get her out of the Roxy to take her to his room back at the Sunset Marquee. She refuses because she has to work the next morning. But when she returns to her room at the Beverly Hills after the shoot the following day, it is filled with pink roses and a card that Mick sent inviting her to his concert that night. So he's like, a limo will be there to pick you up at seven. She calls Patty Hansen, who is dating Keith Richards at the time, to see what the deal was. She knows he's dating Jerry Hall. Uh, Patty Hansen is like, yeah, but they're not married. So, you know, you do you. (laughs) Like it's, you know, she goes to the hotel entrance waiting for her limo and she runs into Jack Nicholson and Angelica Houston. Oh, God. Angelica introduces her to Jack. Like, have you met Jack Nicholson? Yeah, I've had his coming. Yeah. Janice said she felt like saying, oh, yeah, we've met before and then we fucked all night. But she keeps it, you know, low key, uh, acts like she's meeting him for the first time. In the book, Janice apologizes to Angelica Houston as if Angelica's reading the book. I'm sorry. She's like, Angelica, if you're reading this, I'm so sorry. It's like, I love the idea that Angelica Houston is like reading this book with like bated breath, getting all the juicy gossip. So they actually are going to the concert too and are in the limo with Janice. So she has to ride to the concert with them the whole time. Were they invited also by Mick Jagger? I have no idea, but, but it was why, definitely why like else an, would they be in the I limo? guess. Yeah, I have no idea, but it was an awkward limo ride to say the least. They get to uh, the concert site and are taken backstage. When she gets backstage, Mick immediately lays a huge kiss on her. She says, you call that a kiss, and then pushes him up against the wall and rams her tongue down his throat. Janice was heated. She said she never kissed someone before who had bigger lips than hers. I'm sorry. I was going to say... I was going to say Janice has a very big mouth, but Mick Jagger might have her beat. Yeah. So that was very hot for her. Of course, after the show, they fucked all night. Janice said she felt like she had been through war. The the next, this is how hard she got fucked. You know how you get fucked so hard you get your period? She she got her period the next morning. I feel like that's a thing, right? Of course. Where it's like, it's kind of common anyway, but it's like, it helps it get out a little sooner. Uh, It it primes the pump. Well, it's kind of like how people will fuck when they're, they really want to go into labor. Yes. Yeah. The same is true. If you're, if you want to get your period, you know, it's coming. Just fuck someone. Yeah. So she said that he kind of bails that morning and she thinks it's because she got her period. He's like, she wanted, he wanted a girl who wasn't bleeding. 
So he like went on to someone else for that week. Come or on. I, I don't know. But they do they do fuck around for the next six months. He's her new daddy temporarily. While he's still with Jerry Hall as well. I don't know what their arrangement is, but I'm guessing Jerry Hall probably gave him a lot of hall passes. <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> Although of- maybe she was kind of like, really? An- another model? Like, can you at least just fuck groupies or something? Like, <laughs> I'm sure she probably didn't like that it was like another model. Now, uh, he Janice claims that he once told her, I love you. You're built just like a little boy. What? Which Janice said, you sick fuck. Now she tells this story like about six different men that said that, that say they like her little boy body. <laughs> She's like, what's going on with men in these industries? I have no idea what that means. Or was that like a thing that people were into? I have no idea, but she tells this story a lot about <laughs> numerous. I don't even think she has a little boy body. That's what I don't get. Like, she's not like, she's not small. First of all, she's five ten, So she's not like, uh, a model who's like on the smaller side, like Gia was kind of small. Uh, she's not like huge boobs back then. She gets like a boob job later on, but like, I, yeah, I don't think of her as a boy body. She I have no idea yeah. why she, she loves this story though. So <laughs> through all this, she becomes very close friends with Keith Richards. Keith Richards also tries to help her with this singing career. It's like, I'm not even including all these singing stuff because it seems like, completely drug-fueled stupidity. Like, they're like, let's get a recording studio, and nothing comes of it. But they become close during this period. She's good friends with Patty Hansen. Nothing happens with Keith Richards. Um, But through this friendship, she is invited to go to a taping of Saturday Night Live when they were musical guests on the show. So she's hanging out backstage with Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, who she is friendly with. He invites her to drive to Memphis that night to go with him and dance on Elvis's grave. John Belushi does. Yes. He invites her. He invites Janice to drive to Memphis after the taping. And like, fuck on Elvis's grave. Dance on Elvis's grave. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh, she declines initially, uh, and he says, you'd go if Mick Jagger asked you to go. <laughs> so Janice is kind of like, oh, I'll, I'll. she agrees to it kind of to prove a point. Honestly, I'd say no. I don't want to drive to Memphis right now. If John Belushi asked you... I mean, I might do it. It is this for me. Is this pre or post getting sober? Because pre getting sober, I <laughs> definitely would. Well, it's in like 1981, so okay. it's definitely pre sober. <laughs> it's pre birth. I'm saying me. I'm <laughs> yeah, saying, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm typically someone who wouldn't like things like that, but under the right circumstances, maybe I would agree to it. Also, I would probably be like, eh, we're not going to get that far. <laughs> this is like a, a, in the moment for John Belushi probably, right? It's not going to happen. One time uh, at nine o'clock at night, I drove from Palm Springs with a eight ball of cocaine up to San Francisco. Yeah. It can happen. That was like, I was like, hey, Ashley, want to drive to San Francisco? This is the type of thing for me where it's like, you have to get me in the exact right mood and moment. Yeah. Like something like where I would do something like that. But most of the time, I'm not going to do anything that causes me discomfort at all. Because <laughs> I'd be like, well, where are we going to stay? No, where was- are we going to get food? <laughs> like, where are we going to like, I need to get money, like all of this kind of stuff. I so- was real uncomfortable by 7 a.m. Yeah. And, and we were stuck in gridlock traffic in Gilroy. Ugh. Well, first they had to go rent a car at Rent-A-Rec. Then they, he also was like, well, and I have to stop in Atlantic City first, too. 
So it was like everything started, it's like all these other things kept popping up. So they get in their rental rack, they're drinking and smoking pot in the car while they drive, of course. Uh, and they start having deep conversations. She basically tells John her whole life story during these hours they, they are driving to Rent-A-Rec and to Atlantic City. They really relate. At some point, he talks about how he feels like he is two different people sometimes, a more grounded person, while at the same time, this emotional train wreck. Janice is in agreement with that. She's like, yeah, I feel like there's two Janices sometimes too. And John says, yes, and I'm going to fuck both of them tonight. Ooh, now that's a hot line. I thought so too. <laughs> I, I definitely did. I like, cause it's like, I like you fucking crazy. Well, because he, he also was like, Oh, playing the sad sack guy. Right. With like, Oh, you do it for Mick Jagger. But ultimately he has game too that he keeps hidden under this depressed comic type thing. Uh, That's a good line. Yeah, it's a good line. So first in Atlantic City, he is going there to visit comic Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler on Batman, the Batman show from the 60s. And John is a huge celebrity at this time. So they're like walking through this Atlantic City casino and, and being mobbed by fans. Like he's a big deal. He tries to give Janice her due, telling people, this is Janice Dickinson. She fucks Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they end up getting too wasted to drive to Memphis. Uh, so they drive back to New York City. <laughs> they're not too wasted to drive back <laughs> to New York City. Um, it was a great night according to Janice and he actually inspires her to dump Mick Jacker finally who has been treating her like shit and just like this uh, you know like she's nothing but a hassle and nuisance John immediately uh, said tell him I'm available I'll do anything to fuck him I'll even squeal like a pig a reference to uh, deliverance deliverance. so that's the last time she 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 sees John, and a few months later, on March fifth, nineteen eighty two, he is dead from an overdose uh, at the Chateau Marmont. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. 
With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. So a few months after she dumped Mick, Janice was at a bar when she saw someone familiar. It was Peter Aykroyd, Dan's brother. Dan had been trying to hook them up for a while. She uh, saw him and she said, hi, Peter. And he said, I'm not Peter. And she laughed thinking that Peter was playing this joke, playing hard to get, whatever, or being funny. Uh, He said, you can call me Bruno. They ended up kissing that night and Peter invited her to a baseball game he was playing in the next day. She showed up at the game. He was kind of shocked that she did. After the game, uh, he said, I'm not Peter, and I'm better than Peter, and I'm going to prove it. He then invited her to visit him later at work, where he was a bartender. And that night after uh, he got off his shift, they went back to her place. He spent the night. And just like the guy in France we talked about last week, he got up early, brought her breakfast in bed the next morning. And she finally asked if he wasn't Peter, then who was he? He said he was an aspiring actor. His friends called him Bruno, but his real name was Bruce Willis. What? And they started dating. What baseball game was he playing in? I don't know. It was like at Central Park or something. It must have been some like local team. I think they have team baseball teams that play there. Like local businesses and stuff like that. Why did she think it was Dan Aykroyd's brother? I don't know. She th- Maybe they look similarly. <laughs> How I, drunk was she? Well, she's drunk a lot. So... She ultimately has little hope that he will be a successful actor. Uh, Things aren't going great for Janice as well. Clients are starting to complain. And Monique says she's turning into the next Gia. Uh Like she's showing up late and being difficult on set. 
It's not long before Janice wakes up one morning after blacking out to see Monique Pollard at the foot of her bed. Monique says some friends are in the living room. Janice walks into an intervention. Mm. Her sister Debbie is there. She thinks about what her dad said long ago to her. Someday you'll be on your knees begging to suck a guy off just to get a few bucks. And she breaks down into tears thinking, I am nothing. I am less than nothing. She's off to rehab for the first time. She gets out of rehab after, I guess, 28 days, and she kind of can't get booked. No one wants to work with her. She's burnt a lot of bridges uh, back in the day when she was fucked up. So she books a flight to Bali. While she's there, she gets a call from Richard Avedon. He's kind of giving her a pep top, pep talk, oh, sorry, pep talk. She also gets a call from Bill Cosby. He's been looking for her. He finds her in Bali. She uh, calls him Mr. Jello. And uh, he wants to fly her to Tahoe to open for him. So she actually gets on a flight to Tahoe from Bali. I mean, I think there's like a layover in LA yeah. or something. I don't think there's a direct flight no. from Tahoe to, to Bali. And unfortunately, she has some drinks at the airport to prepare for this long flight. When she lands in Tahoe, finally, she has she's had a ton of drinks. So she's kind of blitzed by the time she gets to Tahoe. And she's taken immediately to Cosby Suite while they're getting ready to go to dinner. He answers the door fresh from a shower, wearing only a towel. He hugs her a little too enthusiastically, according to um, Janice, and then says, my God, you're beautiful, before kissing her fully on the mouth. Now she's kind of like, what the hell? He gets dressed. They go to dinner where he talks about himself for two hours. He asks her back to his room later, and she goes with him. But when she gets to the door, she's like, you know what? I'm kind of exhausted. I've been flying almost all day, uh, et cetera, makes sense. He flares up in anger. Uh, he is furious. He's like, after all I've done for you, you're exhausted. Uh, when she tries to speak again, he waves his hand in front of her face to silence her. And then he goes into the room and slams the door in, his, in her face. Now Janice goes back to her room. She pops some lewds. She's stressed out. And she leaves Tahoe the next morning. She gets back to New York City eventually and searches her apartment for more drugs. So her sobriety did not last that long. Luckily, she almost immediately gets a call to go to Milan to shoot with Bill King and Peppo Della Schiavi, who is an Italian publisher who like runs almost every Italian fashion magazine. So she's off uh, drugs in Italy, but still drinking a lot of wine. Because it's Italy. <laughs> She's got to. Now, Janice really thrives in Milan, and she even goes on some photo expeditions to Africa with her friend Peter Beard. But when she gets back to Milan, she describes being in a state where a dark feeling has sort of been cast over her. She can't quite explain what's happening. She starts really craving having a family and a more traditional life. One afternoon, she comes back and finds a note sent from a friend in New York City that tells her her friend, makeup artist Wade Bandy, has died of AIDS. Another friend, the one she met uh, Jack Nicholson at, the guys he had a part, that was his party, had been killed, or sorry, had killed himself in his car. Uh, she also found out that Gia had died of AIDS. And then other people she knew were being diagnosed. Bill King, Steve Rubell, Perry Ellis were all rumored to be dying. Uh, Truman Capote as well. So she just, I mean, I'm sure at this time, a lot of people are going through this. Yeah. Everyone you know is sick, getting sick and, and dying. Um, so this really sent her in a deep depression. She began to worry about some of the men she had slept with who had also fucked everyone. Like, uh, So she's scared as well. 
So what does one do when you are in a deep depression? You get a millionaire sugar daddy and try to get knocked up. That's what Janice did anyway. She found a man named Alberto. She never says his name in the book, so I don't know who it is, but he ran, he was like some billionaire or millionaire owner of a soda company. Uh, He did not want children, unfortunately. So this sent um, Janice into a bigger state of depression. She actually gets pregnant and he, I won't say forces her, but asks her to get an abortion. She does. They fight nonstop after that. One night they go to dinner with a famous Italian film director and his wife. At some point, this film director passes Janice a note to meet him in the bathroom. There he tells her he wants her. So Janice is... uh, (laughs) Like, no, I can't do this right now. Like, no, what are you doing? But she's supposed to be in Rome the next morning for a shoot. And he's like, I'll see you in Rome. <gasps> so she she goes to Rome that night, like right after dinner. I guess she drives there. From he, Milan. Uh, I think they're in Milan at this point. I'm not exactly sure, though. Um, but he instructs her to meet him at noon at a church when the bells are tolling and to come dressed as a nun. Janice thinks he's crazy, but she checks into her hotel room that night. She asks for the nearest costume shop. The next morning, she wakes up at 10 and goes to get this nun costume at the costume shop. As the bells toll, she enters the church and she sees a priest coming toward her and quickly realizes it's the director. He walks into a confessional. Janice goes to the other side of the confessional and confesses to being a bad girl. After saying how bad she was, the priest said, I want to fuck you. (laughs) Janice says, oh, heavenly father. (laughs) Sorry, this is her dialogue from the thing. He takes the dirty little slut as he calls her to a back room in the church and fucks her against the cold stone walls. Damn. When she arrives at the hotel, still in her nun costume, Alberto has just arrived because she took his Ferrari to drive to Rome. So he's furious. He sees Janice in a nun costume. He tells her the wife of the director is worried that there's something going on between the director and Janice. And Janice says, I told him I fucked his friend in a church. And he was dressed like a priest. (laughs) Alberto was furious. And Janice said, I have news for you. I don't give a shit. (laughs) And and that was how that relationship ended. She leaves Milan in 1988 and moves to LA. At this point, she's 33. She wants a fresh start. She starts dating a guy named Simon Fields, who's like a production guy in LA. And four months later, she's pregnant. They have a baby boy named Nathan and they get married. Janice finally got her trad wife life. Oh. Do you think that works out? It does not. (laughs) (laughs) Six months later, she gets pregnant again, but Simon doesn't want the baby and Janice has another abortion. But she wanted the baby. So this leads to a lot of resentment on Janice's part regarding Simon. She also missed her pregnancy tits and that's when she gets to treat herself with a boob job, getting some nice C cups. Janice's photography career also starts taking off. One day she is shooting Naomi Campbell in the buff when a dude shows up looking for her. Janice didn't initially recognize him, but it turned out it was Sylvester Stallone. Now, she starts laughing, according to Janice, at how short he was. That's why she didn't (laughs) recognize him. I don't think he's that short, but I guess people think he's maybe massive massive just because of what he does. Um, But... He was sort of like, what are you laughing at? And demanding to see Naomi. She's like, why don't you pose for me while you're waiting for Naomi? Uh, And what? Was Sylvester Stallone 
The one who started the rumor about Richard Gere and the gerbil in his ass. Oh, I mean, you did that episode. I know I did, but <laughs> I can't remember. It sounds vaguely familiar, though. Something about Richard Gere got mustard on his t- suit or something. Yeah, I mean, Sylvester Stallone seems annoying, like, to me. <laughs> I don't like him. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Continue. Uh, so she gets him to pose for her, and at some point while he's posing, he shoves his hand down his pants, and Janice says, anything interesting down there? And he says, something you'd like, bam, ham, slam. What? And then she says, it looks like a dead rat. So he says, he's just resting, then walks over and kisses Janice. And she says, yum. And makes her smell his hand. <laughs> yeah. Soon after, he asked her to dinner. And she says, um, I'm married. And he's like, so? <laughs> so soon after, Janice invites Sly and Naomi over for dinner. When Naomi leaves the room, Sylvester says his dead rat was feeling a little twitchy. That's so gross. Yeah. Uh, she said she thought Naomi was taking care of that dead rat. And he's like, you're the real deal. And she says, you're weird. And she moves on. Besides, she's off to North Carolina. Her husband, Simon, is going there to film his first big production, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. <gasps> so while they're there, she's there with her young baby. Her parents actually visit her there. And it is a complete disaster. I'm not going to go into all the details, but her dad is a piece of shit and mean as ever. And he's now suffering from Alzheimer's disease. So he's like a really monstrous person who has no accountability. Not that he ever did. He uh, actually ends up dying in North Carolina. Janice hopes that his death might bring her some relief, but it doesn't. When she gets back to LA, she goes into therapy vowing to take it seriously this time. She also gets a prescription for Ativan and that works great. Oh, yeah. She loves Ativan. And she quickly realizes that she wasn't going to therapy to explore her feelings or get better, but because she was getting prescriptions. And now she's getting one for lithium. So she's no longer fucking her husband. She begins to worry the drugs are affecting her sex drive. Then she shows up for a photo shoot. And upon arrival, she sees a half-naked Liam Neeson. (gasps) She said her little flower didn't just tingle. It rocked. Yeah. So she wasn't just... She was just not horny for her husband. She still uh, had those feelings. He heard she was a photographer and offered to let her take pics of him. Now, she's trying to get into photography, so a celebrity pictorial obviously is a great thing. I got to say, there was an America's Next Top Model episode where Janice Dickinson took photos of the girls, and I really feel like just learning from these past two episodes how much she like did photography... She made it seem, I feel like she downplayed her, that she was a photographer on that show. I don't think she weird. ever felt very confident or got, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of like how you feel weird sometimes saying you're a writer or like you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know why I just thought that was odd, but it seemed, it seemed at least just from watching that episode I'm referring to that it seemed like she downplayed her achievements as a photographer. Oh. Not, not that she was like known primarily for that, no, but. but she definitely was trying. So they go the next week into Malibu together to shoot. And at some point, he peels his pants off mid-shoot, and Janice said an Evian bottle popped out, because he has a big dick. Liam Neeson? Oh, yeah. He's famously huge. You've seen it? Um, I don't think I've seen it, but whenever you look up big celeb dicks, <laughs> he's, on there. he's always on it. Uh, so she said she was, she's like, I'm speechless. <laughs> 
she turned down seeing him again. And that night she went home to try to fuck her husband, but he wasn't in the mood. So she went to her good friend, good friends, Randy and Evie Quaid's house. (gasps) No. (laughs) Now she shows up looking hot and and Randy's like, this is a great case for adultery, (laughs) but they don't do anything ever because it's Randy Quaid. Can you imagine fucking Randy Quaid and his wife? So while she's there, she had already taken numerous drugs that day. Randy starts making vodka drinks. She wakes up in Cedars. Uh Uh-oh. She blacked out. Simon is there demanding she go to rehab. Instead, she goes to the Beverly Hills Hotel, takes Clonopin. Uh, she actually has Clonopin del- delivered, which I don't know how you get that. Um, and she invites Liam Neeson over, who fucks her lights out, according to her. <laughs> this, is, this is the perks of being rich and famous, is instead of going to rehab, you check into the Beverly Hills Hotel, yeah. you get your prescription drugs delivered, and a hot actor arrives with his dick in his hand at your door. She said she felt like she needed episiotomy afterwards. Oh. So that means her, she felt like she got ripped open, yeah. like she had a baby. That's how big his dick is, <laughs> newborn baby size. <laughs> Uh, she goes home to Simon, who's pissed, obviously, because she didn't tell him she was leaving to go to the Beverly Hills Hotel. So she just comes back like three days later. Uh, she then flies to New York two days after that because Liam called for her to come meet him. She goes to his hotel room. While she's uh, with him, so Simon is like begging her to come home. He somehow finds her at Liam's hotel. Like he finds the number and he's like, come home, come home. She's like, "Uh, no, hangs up on him. She's starting to get fed up with Liam, who was crying nonstop about Julia Roberts, who had just dumped him. So he's like devastated about Julia. So she's like, look, we want to, I wanted to fuck you. I don't want to hear you cry about some fucking actress. She sees him dry his hands off at some point with a really worn out hand towel that has JR initials on it. So it's like Julia's hand towel. And it's his jizz rag. I don't know that he's just drying his hands on it. It wasn't cum. Wow. Get your mind out of the gutter. I have a question. Okay. Well, you're going to have another question pretty soon. If you fucked Liam Neeson, if you meaning like if, if one were to fuck Liam Neeson, would, would you have to ask him to do a sexy version of the taken speech? Ooh. Like I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to use them on you. Which right ones, now. baby? <laughs> I would demand the speech. Uh I would fuck him. He's I think he's hot. I think he's good in bed. He seems Ugh. very into it. I think so. And I liked his marriage with Natasha Richardson. Like yeah. he seemed that made me love him even more. Me too. So I definitely would love to help him. Um, so Jana says something that I do not know what this means. I feel like I have an idea, but maybe we can work it out together. She's so furious about this hand towel with Julia Roberts' initials on it that she says uh, that she douches with it. What? Wait, Janice said she douched with the towel? Yeah. Does that mean when you're douching, because I've never douched, do you use a towel while you're squeezing it up you and you catch the water, the douche water? I thought you just did it in the shower. I've never douched before, and we've talked about douching on the show. We neither of us advise it. Uh, I have no idea what she's talking about. Maybe she means that she rolled it up into a ball and like stuck it up her pussy. I was also kind of like, was there so many tears from him crying into it that she? I have no idea what it means. So if you know what she means, please write us in. If you actually know, if you actually know, don't, we don't, don't need speculate. guesses. Give me a give me a true. Uh, We've already. I, I read the paragraph and 
she's like, what else would you do? What I did, I douched with it. It's like, okay. Janice, you go into a lot of details in this book. Don't leave me hanging on this one. Like, I really want to call her. So she's back in LA after douching. She's done with Donkey Dick Neeson. But Peter, um, I'm sorry, not Peter. Her husband has an ultimatum. Rehab or divorce. Like, he's like serious now. Janice is like, fuck you. But then her divorce attorney was like, you better go to rehab or this is going to get really ugly and you might lose custody of your son. Oh my God. So she does have to go to rehab, but things still get ugly. Simon wants sole custody. Janice is in misery, but manages to hook up with a nice producer who works for Aaron Spelling. His name is Michael Birnbaum. He's actually a very nice guy, which sends Janice into a panic, obviously, because she's only comfortable with guys who treated her like her dad i.e. like shit. So of course she sleeps with some artist, um, abstract artist one night while she's seeing Michael. At the same time, Michael invites her to Cannes with him and Janice tags along, but she's frustrated since she's not really feeling it with this perfect man. While checking into the hotel, Janice sees Sylvester Stallone in the lobby. She's like, I'm going to go over and say hi. She waves and he says, yo, Janice. (laughs) (laughs) She then sees Michael and he's like, geez, you're still with him? She said to him, get me the fuck out of here. So she's already bailing on this poor guy, Michael. He's like, my plane leaves at 10. My assistant will set everything up. He gives her a fake handshake while Michael's watching so he doesn't get sus. Like, we're just friends. Nothing's going on here. Janice joins Michael in the room uh, and he says, geez, he's fucking short. (laughs) Janice clearly wants everyone to know this about (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. Later, she tells Michael she has to leave on a plane that night to shoot Sylvester Stallone on the set of Demolition Man. He's kind of shocked and in disbelief that she's leaving, but she's like, it's okay if you call me a cunt. And he's like, no, because he's just not that type of guy. Yeah. So she's kind of giving him permission to be an asshole, and he's just not an asshole. So this plane is like a sleeper plane, and Janice gets on it. She's like, where's my room? And Sly says to her, "Uh, you're sleeping with me. If you don't want to do that, then you can have the chair out here. What? So why, she's like, uh, she that's kind of bed. presumptuous. <laughs> but of course she does it. She's like, we're just sleeping. And he's like, that's fine. They take sleeping pills and snuggle. He takes her in his arms and she describes his arms as being as big as Christy Turlington's thighs. I really have no <laughs> idea what that means or why she's dragging poor Christy Turlington into this. I don't even know if that's a bad thing or like, are his arms really thin? Like, I don't, I don't get this, uh, and now uh, t- this comparison at all. Christy's like, Hey, it's like, is that a dig at Christy or sly? Like, I can't quite tell what she means by that. Uh, anyway, they land, they say goodbye. And that was that they don't sleep together, but Janice couldn't help but think how good it was to fall asleep in his arms. Now the next chapter is called bam, ham, slam. So Uh we know shit's about to go down. (laughs) So two days after landing in LA, Sylvester calls Janice and said, he's ready to let her take pics on the set of demolition man. Janice is relieved since that means technically she didn't lie to Michael. But she ends up being taken to his Benedict Canyon home instead and is told he is waiting for her in the master bedroom. She's pissed, but the assistant reassured her they would still be taking pictures later that day and brought some vodka cranberries to her and Sly as she walked to the um, bedroom. He's in the bedroom. When she enters, he takes her into his arms and kisses her. Before she knew it, they were naked in bed. She said it didn't last long, but she thinks she enjoyed it. After he came, he said, 
Bam Ham Slam. Gross. They then drove downtown, and Jill, Janice is sort of filled with self-loathing at this point. In the space of a week, she had slept with the abstract artist, the producer, and the superstar. Uh, so that's her. She feels that way. I'm not judging her. Once on set, Sylvester ignores her, and Janice eventually leaves saying, uh, and he's like, oh, you'll be hearing from me. Later that day, Michael calls her to have dinner. At dinner, she told him she had fucked Sylvester Stallone. Janice kept expecting a big blow up, but he kind of doesn't say that much. He quietly drives her home. When they get to her door, she said, aren't you going to say something? And he responds to her by saying, I'm in love with you. I don't know what you want me to say. I'm just can't believe that you had to do go and do this to us. Oh, and he kind of leaves and he's just gone. And she knew at that point she had made a huge mistake. Sylvester also wasn't calling her. So she's kind of like, what the fuck have I done? Like, I got rid of this good guy for what? Um, So weeks passed, no call from Sylvester. Also, no period. Uh Uh-oh. Janice is pregnant. So she has no idea who the father was. If If you remember just a few seconds ago, I said she fucked three guys in a space of one week. So technically, any of them could be the dad. But she's pretty convinced it's Sylvester. Finally, her phone rings. Uh, phone rings when she picks up it's a man saying yo i miss you (laughs) it's sylvester if you didn't guess she goes over to his house immediately and fuck they fuck for a few hours this time which is much better according to janice afterward once again he says bam ham slam if a guy said that that to me ever (laughs) come on how do you go back to that Unless they're being funny, which he, I don't think he is. I think that's like his catchphrase after he fucks. After he says it this time, though, Janice says, I'm pregnant. <laughs> He's like, you're what? <laughs> he was like, how do you know it's not burn bombs? And Mike, Janice admitted she didn't really know, but she felt sure it was his. According to Janice, um, Sylvester was a real mensch about it. He kind of took care of her immediately as if she was, it was his kid. He didn't even mention his girlfriend, Jennifer Flavin, to her anymore. <laughs> That's what Wait a good a guy he is. Wait a minute. He had a girlfriend? That's who he marries. <laughs> so that's who I think they're still married uh, to this this girl. Oh, my so God. So they were dating at the time, and he was fucking Janice on the side. And I guess that was a point of contention. And now he's like, okay, I'm not even going to bring up my girlfriend just because, right. just to keep things stable. Uh, he starts introducing her to his friends, they're spending a lot of time together. And he didn't like the, the pregnancy when it began to show. He asked Janice, when Janice was like, why? He, he said to her, hey, when a kid goes to the pet store, who is he going to want to take home with him, the mama dog or the puppies? Oh. Uh, she's like, you're not a kid. He's like, every man's a kid on the inside. That's the problem with men. He then said he'd give her a million dollars to get rid of the baby. Okay, first of all, (laughs) there are lots of men who like fucking pregnant women. Or older women, too. And older women. Yeah. No, he's disgusting. Uh, Yeah. So Janice is like, no. And he's like, what if the baby's not mine? Janice is like, it's a she. He's like, a million dollars is a lot of money. She's keeping the baby, though. Now... They take a private jet to Miami together. He is shooting The Specialist. This gets them a lot of tabloid attention when they arrive in Miami. Um, Even friends start selling them out and selling stories to the National Enquirer about this relationship. And part of the reason it's news is because he is publicly with that girl, Jennifer. Right. So this is a big tabloid story. He 
actually gets to the hospital five minutes after the daughter is born. He arrives, um, he's beside himself with joy. He's holding the baby. He's like, I hope she's mine. Um, she's initially going to name the baby Diva, but Diva. He, he refuses and they settle on the name Savannah. So they take the baby back to Janice's place and Sly immediately is like, well, now we're going to get you back into shape. Janice is like, that's your biggest concern? He's like, no, my biggest concern is I still wonder if she's mine, (laughs) this guy. So he commences his plan to turn the mama dog back into a puppy. That's his words. That's his plan. Uh, So he also schedules a DNA lab test. Um, They actually come and draw blood from the baby right as Janice is off to to Paris to do a show for Versace. So as they're walking out, this baby gets blood drawn. He eventually joins them in Paris at the show. And afterwards, when Janice is basking in the glow of this sort of little comeback she had, there's a lot of applause for her. She walked in Versace at this point? Yeah. Good for her. So, I mean, this is still the 90s, the early 90s, I guess. for a model, she's older. Definitely. But they're old friends. So I think that was part of it. Yeah. So while she's backstage enjoying this moment, he comes back and he's like, hey, the baby isn't mine. Congrats to Michael. He then says, we had a nice little run, but it's over now. So he dumps her backstage immediately after finding out the baby's not hers. He says, his, he says, the baby's not yours. (laughs) He says, you say good things about me. I'll say good things about you. So, and then he leaves. Jana said she felt like she was kicked in the chest. Like she is like stunned during, I mean, this is a lot of information to receive. Yeah. So at this point she doesn't know what to do. She has not spoken to Michael. So she has the artist take the DNA test to see if the art to kind of eliminate him. Uh, he is eliminated. So Michael is the father, which was kind of what she wanted, but then she decides she's not going to tell Michael <gasps> because she doesn't, want to go through another custody battle. Like she's still in this custody battle with her first husband, Simon. So she gets on some new drugs and is eventually set up with a new guy. His name is Albert Gersten. He is a club owner. They go on to, they go out to dinner one night and then they go to a club he owns called The Gate. Do you know this club? Mm-mm. I mean, it's from the 90s, so who knows? It's not there anymore. Janice described it as kind of sleazy. And while they were there, it was a night Shannon Doherty broke a beer bottle on her boyfriend's head. What a great night to be there. She said it was pretty fun. She's like, that was entertaining. Now, Albert is a really wild guy. Uh, He pursues Janice hardcore. He says he loves her. He'll adopt Savannah and give them the best life ever. But Albert also has a mean drunk side. He drinks and parties a lot. He's kind of an older guy, but he's still partying hard. Janice herself at this time is taking lots of pills and drinking again. So they obviously have some huge drunken uh, brawls. When she goes to her shrink for another refill next time, he actually refuses and gives her a real verbal beatdown. Like he puts her in her place hard. She doesn't like it. She storms out of there and she's like, there's other shrinks in this town. She threatens him. (laughs) It's 4 p.m. when she leaves. She's furious. So she decides she's going to hit all the best bars in town. While driving home, finally at 3 a.m., she gets pulled over. Uh Uh-oh. She actually slurs, did I do something wrong, officer? (laughs) (laughs) I thought Uh, she was going to say, did I do that? uh, No. But that would have been cute. Yeah. She fails uh, her sobriety test, obviously, and she is taken to the Beverly Hills jail. Two weeks later, Albert proposes. (laughs) So, So 
whirlwind of highs and lows for Janice. <laughs> Sly actually finally calls her to say, why the fuck are you marrying that loser? Uh, on the day of their wedding, Valentine's Day 1995, he actually calls her and says he'll land a chopper on the roof to get her out of there if Janice needs it to escape this wedding. The jail? No, the wedding oh, venue. The we- oh, 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 Sly no. says that. Yeah, he says that. She's like, Earth to Rambo, I'm getting married. <laughs> <laughs> so she then drinks a lot of champagne, does some coke, and then gets up the nerve to get hitched. That's hot. She's not into Albert. Uh, and the marriage is off to a bad start. They're on their honeymoon in St. Bart's, which I'm just like, that's a place where rich people go. Always. <laughs> I don't even know what that place is, except rich people love it. It's an island in the Caribbean and rich people are obsessed with it. I've only known rich people to go to St. I don't have one friend who's been to St. Bart's. <laughs> Other islands, yes. So they're in St. Bart's. Albert is drunk driving. <laughs> they're reckless. Those roads, we've seen those roads. Yeah. They're windy. Yeah. And some of them are not paved even like they're sort of rough sometimes so they get into a really horrible car accident and like roll down a hill janice has to like pull him out of the car he gets over a hundred stitches so they kind of have to stay in saint bart's while he recovers once they get home albert is immediately back to partying and janice is kind of calming down she's like i'm gonna stay in malibu with the baby her mom dies of cancer shortly after the return, and obviously that sends Janice into another depression. She gets back from the funeral, and there's a hand-engraved invitation to Stephanie Seymour's bridal shower in Paris. You know you're rich when you're like, my bridal shower is in Paris, and no, I, ex- I expect you all to come. <laughs> not even, not the wedding, the bridal shower. Yes. So she is marrying, what's his name, Peter Brandt? Uh, he's like a very wealthy guy. He owns Interview Magazine. He's just whatever. You don't even know how. He's like one of those rich guys where you're like, how did he even get rich? Yeah. It's like, we don't know. He just has a ton of money. Um, Albert is trying to cheer her up. So he's like, we should go. So of course they go to Paris, but being with like this, mo- this is like younger set of models. It's yeah. Stephanie Seymour, Shalom Harlow. It's that 90s set. Yeah. So Janice is like a decade older than all of them. She's 40 now or over a decade maybe, and she's made a total mess of her life. So this event ends up being very depressing right. uh, for Janice because Stephanie's like, yay, I'm done with bad boy Axel Rose, and now I'm going to marry this rich guy and have a happy life. And Janice is like, why didn't I do this? Right. Like I could have had this uh, trajectory. She is back on a plane, and in her head she starts planning what her conversation to Albert will be, how they're going to how she's going to get out of this marriage. She's like, I'm going to be like, we made a mistake here. You can have the ring back. She's going over this conversation over and over in her head on the plane ride. At some point, Albert looks over at her and says, I love you, babe. So Janice changes her mind. (laughs) (laughs) She's at that state where she's like, he loves me. (laughs) So she just continues drinking instead. So one night, Albert comes home really drunk and raging and demanding to know everyone who Janet um, Janice has is fucking at the moment. At she's the time. like, yeah, she's like, I'm not fucking anyone. He's like, well, then write down the name of every man you've ever fucked. And he gives her a pad of paper and a pen. What is he, your sponsor? Uh, seriously. It's like, how do you even remember? Come on. <laughs> she starts writing uh, names down and she's even making up one. She writes down things like Colonel Sanders, Don Knotts. Although I wish she did fuck Don Knotts. <laughs> um, and he's like, where's, where's Mick Jagger? Where's Warren Beatty? She's like, she's right here. So he's like fact-checking her list. The next morning, <laughs> Melon doesn't approve of this behavior. The next morning, she's like, I'm leaving. And he had completely forgotten about the night before. He had no memory of it. 
So she packs a small bag, gets Savannah, and checks into the Westwood Marquee. Soon she is in John Peter's guest house. He is a longtime friend of Janice's. And she starts buying a bunch of self-help books. Classic trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) She says during this period, John Cusack would call her nightly asking if she was rowdy. And she would hang up on him. (laughs) I 100% believe that. And here's... Not just that he called her up every night, but that he specifically said, are you rowdy? Because that seems like the kind of thing that John Cusack would say. And people would be like, what does that mean? Because it's kind of quirky. But only he knows what it means. No. And she said he seemed maybe like he was drinking uh, (laughs) and seemed a little lonely. (laughs) So she said she finally um, did run into him years later. They were both on a plane. And according to her, she said, well... You know, shit happens. So I think they fucked on the plane. Wow. So, I mean, she left it vague. I don't know why. Why not just tell us what happened? I want to know. (laughs) She was trying to be cute. Now, she goes on a real bender at this point. And it's so bad, her friend, Tony Peck, who is Gregory's son, actually finds her wasted in her closet, just lying in her closet, drunk and on pills. He immediately takes her to what I'm assuming is an AA meeting at the Chateau Marmont. Is that a thing? Uh, I've never Was it? I've never known a meeting to be there. Well, anyway, it's some kind of play, it's some kind of meeting where she got 12 step uh, literature. She is hooked up with a sponsor and she goes home and immediately pours all of the alcohol in her house down the drain. Now, she makes it all through the Christmas season without drinking and it kind of gets better and easier every day for her. In January, her and Savannah are at the mall returning Christmas gifts when they run into Michael. She introduces Michael to Savannah, and in her head, she's screaming, this is your daughter, but she doesn't want to uh, make a scene there or reveal that information in that way. So they part, and Michael says, call me sometimes, I'm listed. So that night, she has a tiny drink for the first time, so she breaks her sobriety that night, and the cycle begins again with tiny drinks here and there. She's like, well, maybe I'll have two tiny drinks, that kind of thing. Then she has... A real days of wine and roses spell. Um, When she finally sobers up, she calls Michael. She asks him if he'd like to go to his daughter's seventh birthday party. So he's stunned and he says he needs a moment. He's like, I need to call you back. I need to like process this information because he literally had no idea that this was his daughter. And she's seven. Yeah. So... He doesn't call back immediately, and she begins drinking again. As the party approaches at the end of February, she still hadn't heard back from Michael yet. He calls the day before the party, saying they need to talk. They meet up that night, and Michael says he doesn't think the party is the best place to meet Savannah, like to just show up, like I'm your dad. Uh, And Janice is kind of upset about this. She... She's kind of the asshole in this situation. Like, I don't know why she's mad at him about anything. Like, he's the victim here just as much as the daughter as far as, like, her lying to them. Right. Uh, So the next morning, Savannah wakes up. Janice is hungover. They get ready for the party. Uh, They decide... She decides that day to give Savannah a gift that could um, to be like a s- sober for once and for all and be this healthy mother. So she starts off by making amends with her ex, Simon. Uh, she calls Michael again to meet them for lunch, saying she wants him to have a relationship with her do- with his daughter. He agrees to come over, but wants Savannah to be prepared for his visit. He doesn't want to just show up. He wants her to know what's happening. So uh, Janice does this. She 
tell Savannah the truth. She lied. She didn't tell Michael. Michael just found out as well. He never knew about her, so he wasn't abandoning her. They make a date to meet at the Santa Monica Pier, and it's a pretty good meeting. Uh, like they have, it's awkward, obviously, but they really kind of bond. Savannah tells Michael her mom used to be a famous model. She was the original supermodel. Oh, <laughs> that's what she has the dialogue her daughter says in the book. That's like when somebody tweets, like, "Wow, my four-year-old kid." Yeah, I was like, "Don't bring your daughter in to validate your lie." She's like, "See, my daughter says it too." Like, what does that mean? And Michael's like, "I know." Uh, <laughs> When Janice asks him when he's available next to meet Savannah, Michael says, at the moment, I'm pretty much open for the rest of my life for her. Oh, Isn't that sweet? She really blew it with Michael. Michael's cute, too. Like, I've seen pictures of Michael him in the book. Michael sounds like a nice guy. He's a totally great guy. He's really hot. Like, he's good looking. And she actually cries when he says this. Like, she fucked up with him, I think. Now... This book ends on a very self-help chapter that I just kind of skipped. I, I skimmed it. <laughs> I, I was just like, I can't. I can't. I don't want to learn any lessons from Janice at this point. Because <laughs> it's very like recycled, rehashed self-help stuff. So I kind of skim it. And we do have some more stuff that happened post-book, though. So don't worry. Now, Tyra Banks reads Janice's memoir. And that's how she decided to hire her as a judge on her upcoming reality competition, America's Next Top Model. The book came out in 2002, and the show started in 2003. She uh, thought Janice could kind of offer contestants advice on the perils of the fashion industry. And as we talked about, Dickinson becomes known for her very brutally honest critiques of these models. Now, after four cycles, <laughs> she fires Janice Dickinson and replaces her with Twiggy. Uh, Janice is hurt by this decision. According to her, I was just telling the truth, and I was saving these girls from going out there and being told they're too short, too fat, their skin's not good enough. I was to America's Next Top Model what Simon Cowell was to American Idol. She does make guest appearances after this. Um, she is a photographer for a photo challenge. She's a mentor role in cycle six. And then she's like an interviewee for an interview challenge in one of the other cycles. In 2005, uh, she starts branching out into other reality stuff. She is on, she's an original cast member of The Surreal Life, uh, the fifth season. She is famous that season for getting into a huge fight with Omarosa. Oh, yeah. They're doing like a publicity photo shoot, and Janice has a prop knife. Uh, at some point, <laughs> they have to be physically separated by Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> That's poor, poor fucking Bronson. Like, Wait. what is he? <laughs> when you. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you just have to reevaluate everything. I just picture him letting out the deepest sigh. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm an actor. <laughs> like, what am I doing here with these monsters? Uh, in 2006, she starts her own show, the Janice Dickinson Modeling Agency. This is for Oxygen. This runs for four seasons, and it's her journey as her, launching this career as a modeling agent. In this, in this show, she appears with British model Abigail Clancy, who was also, I think, a contestant on Britain's Next Top Model or something. And this... This also details her attempt to break into American modeling. Um, in November, she is on the British reality show. I'm sorry, November of 20, 2007. She's on the British reality show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. 
uh, and she sets the record for the most Bush Tucker trials. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm assuming it's like a survivor, like this when there's two people at the end, right? Yeah. So she survives that 10 times. In the finale, uh, Dickinson had gained second place and she lost to Christopher Biggins Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait a <laughs> Biggins coming? Biggins coming? Maybe it's Biggins, but the coming is right next to it. Biggins coming? Biggins coming. Look, if I'm wrong, do not correct me because I that think that's funny. That is a great name. I just buy any name when it's from the UK. I'm like, sure. They have the best names. They have names. the best names. Why wouldn't it be Biggins coming? Uh, or maybe it was Biggins coming in first. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Desi. Maybe it's Christopher Biggins coming first. <laughs> Biggins Why? coming. <laughs> sorry. Why, Desi? Why? I'm so sorry. Biggins so- <laughs> Nope. See, this is a detail where it's like not it's not genocide, guys. Nope. If you're a Christopher Biggins fan, <laughs> don't come for me. His name is not Christopher Biggins. It's Christopher Biggins coming. <laughs> Christopher Biggins coming first. The most the most British name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, oh my, my god. god! What does he even do? Who, Who knows? He? He's probably like a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> there is someone. I'm gonna get so many mean emails. People are gonna be like from the UK. He like, was he's the, actually the he, founder of the he, Make a Wish Foundation. <laughs> it's like some noble thing. He was our greatest prime minister ever. Yeah. What, wow! Imagine. <laughs> um, so hold on. We need to pause. <laughs> I need. I need to know what he is. Hold on. Okay, I've pulled up his Wikipedia page. <laughs> Christopher Kenneth Biggins is the son of William and Pamela Biggins. He's an English actor and television presenter. Uh, let's see what he's famous for. Um, I can't even read because my eyes are blurry from literal <laughs> tears right now. Um, he was on a comedy show called Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads. And Look, I, this is not, I expect this. <laughs> And another show, which if you thought that was a British title, <laughs> listen to this title. Some mothers do have them. Oh. That's the name of that show. That sounds cheeky. <laughs> Some mothers do have them. Well. Which was a show, a British sitcom on BBC One from the 70s. Oh, so he's older. He's older. And so he was a TV show. He took place in the seventh series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. He was the winner of the show. Christopher Biggins coming, leg- British legend. <laughs> um, so she's not done with her reality <laughs> TV uh, domination. She's also on the fourth season of Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. She even makes an appearance on Project Runway. And the British reality show Celebrity Big Brother. So she's even on The Bachelor in 2020 on season 24 what? doing God knows what. As a guest? She's singing when they romantic dance. <laughs> you know, they have the singer. Yes. And they're like, it's like someone you never heard of. Yes. And they're like, oh my God. Right. It's like, we don't right. know who that guy is. <laughs> and they act like they're their number one fan. <laughs> it's like always like the one-on-one date. It's always like Enrique Iglesias' third cousin. 
Or like someone who's kind of like Gavin DeGraw, but right. like, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, it's like we have the seventh runner-up from American Idol, <laughs> season seventeen. Did you see Philip Phillips do the national anthem yes. on Buster Posey Day? I was crying. Wait, was that recently? Yes, because I didn't watch that game, oh. so I didn't know. No, I watched Buster Posey Day, and Philip. They're like, and now a close friend of Buster Posey's, American Idol season, blah blah blah. Philip Phillips. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Wait a minute. Buster Posey is friends with Philip Phillips? Yes. They're close friends. Because he's from Georgia, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I think Philip Phillips is from Georgia, too. Disappointing. Now, in 2012, she gets engaged to Dr. Robert Gurner, Rocky. He is a psychiatrist. They eventually get married in 2016. So, as I mentioned in the first episode... What Janice writes in her memoir about Bill Cosby ends up not being true. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Don't laugh now. She's still laughing. Biggin's coming. It sounds like a name, okay? That's got to be up there with cock industries. Like that's one of my dumbest. Look. <laughs> Okay, please. This Let's is calm serious. down. Know, this, this is, is a serious, serious segment. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So what she wrote in the memoir about Bill Cosby ends up not being true. She, at some point in 2006, she is being interviewed by Howard Stern. She makes some vague accusations against Cosby during this interview, but doesn't get into many details. This is in 2012? 2006 interview with Howard Stern. Oh. Then in November of 2014, she joins a number of women of women who said comedian Bill Cosby raped her in 1982. She adds that she tried to write about this in her 2002 autobiography, but that Cosby and his lawyers pressured her and her lawyers to remove details. She becomes one of the first women to go public with allegations against Cosby during an Entertainment Tonight TV interview in 2014. She testifies against him in his trial. Uh, during this trial, she testifies that Bill Cosby raped her in 1982 after giving her a pill he claimed would ease her menstrual cramps, but left her immobilized and unable to stop an assault she called, quote, quote gross. She is the fourth of five accusers to take witness the witness stand at his uh, sex assault retrial. Um, she told jurors she was rendered motionless by this pill and that Cosby got on top of her in his Lake Tahoe hotel room. So this is the trip after Bali. She said he smelled of cigars and espresso. She said, I did not consent to this. He was America's dad on top of me, a married man, father of five kids on top of me. I was thinking how wrong it was, how very wrong it was. Now, she was 27 at the time. She testified that she felt vaginal pain afterwards. And when she woke up the next morning, she noticed semen between her legs. She said that Cosby looked at her like she was crazy when she confronted him about what happened. She said, I wanted to hit him. I wanted to punch him in the face. She is the only celebrity accuser to testify against him during this trial. Uh, and the defense attorney really seizes on the fact that in her 2002 autobiography, she talks about the encounter in a completely uh, different, she has a different story. 
But she tells jurors about how she wanted to include details about the assault. um, And then it ended up being this highly sanitized version of what happened. There was no sex, not let alone rape, because of the legal issues that she faced. And her her publishers basically wanted to uh, squash it. But she needed money at the time, so she needed to sell this memoir, so she that's why she did it. She was afraid Cosby would ruin her career. She said in the trial, it's all a fabrication there. It was written by ghostwriters. I wanted a paycheck. She testified that she got to know Cosby after her agent said he wanted to meet her and possibly mentor, mentor her to start this singing and acting career. Um, she talked about how Cosby invited her to Lake Tahoe after that initial meeting in New York. He flew her in from Bali. And in Tahoe, they did vocal range tests with the musical director. He watched her perform. And that when they went to dinner, she complained about the cramps. And that's when he produced this pill that she said made her woozy and slightly out of it. Uh, And the musical director left after this pill kind of kicked in. He said, we'll continue the conversation upstairs. She had her camera and said she took photos of him that night wearing a colorful robe Uh, Shortly after I took the picture, she said he finished the conversation and got on top of me, opened up his robe, and I couldn't move. Uh, She said, I didn't fly to to Tahoe to have sex with Mr. Cosby. This was a business, like a job possibility. So as we know, on April 26, 2018, this jury found Bill Cosby guilty of three felony counts of aggravated indecent assault against one of the women. Uh, So... He got sentenced to three to 10 years in prison shortly after this uh, conviction. And on June 30th, 2021, these uh, convictions were overturned and Bill Cosby was released. I'm not going to get into why that was, but it was... We talked about that. uh, When it happened? When it happened, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably at some point do a Bill Cosby episode. Of course. Episodes. I'm sure it'll be multiples because there's a lot there. But yeah, basically it gets overturned for some bullshit kind of uh, technicality uh, type thing. So obviously people went to Janice when this happened and she's angry about him walking free. She said, I feel angry. And second, I feel like I was kicked in the stomach. It's like a real psychic blow. I'm angry they let him out of our procedural thing. That's basically all I have to say. I can't get into the legalese about it. I can only speak from my heart and say the statute of limitations is not fair. It's just not fair. I was raped by Bill Cosby. I know that it changed my life forever. That's why my heart goes out to all the women who started me too. I just think people are ignorant about these things. So... um She does end up getting a defamation. She sues him for defamation, and she does reach a settlement in 2019 that supposedly is pretty big. In 2016, she revealed that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. I couldn't find any information about what her situation is with that now, but maybe she's moved past it because I didn't see any uh, new updates there. And I think it was stage one, so it was caught very early on. At 67, she's 67 now. She's currently in production on a new reality series called Model Court with Janice Dickinson. Oh my God. And I don't know. (laughs) Model Court? I don't know if she's just like a Judge Judy type, but my fantasy is she's judging models. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that that's it. The tagline for this show is there is no law and no order in Judge Janice's court. So it sounds good to me. I'm going to watch it. But she is still going after models. Um, on a 2021 episode of Behind the Rope, she um, is reported to have said about Gigi and Bella Hadid that they are just Instagram models. Wow. So she also, in this 
podcast, Behind the Velvet Rope, talked about her experience on America's Next Top Model a bit. Now, supposedly her and Tyra have ended their feud. I don't really know how that happened because this was in 2021. On it, she talks about how difficult the show was. She says, sitting next to Tyra for hours and hours can be daunting because she didn't really like me and um, we discussed sorry, we didn't really get along. I did Vogue. She, she did Elle. And I used to constantly remind her of that. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. But I mean, Tyra did in her early career have, she walked like, she walked a ton of high fashion runways. I don't know. I never understand any of Janice's digs, but I know they mean <laughs> something to her. <laughs> did Tyra never do Vogue? I guess Tyra never did a Vogue cover. I mean, I guess Tyra... She was a very famous model, but she definitely was more Sports Illustrated. In her later career. In her, well, not later, later, but I mean, <laughs> like the thing with Tyra is, is Tyra said that by 1994, she started growing hips. So she transitioned from right. high fashion to Sports Illustrated Victoria's Secret more. Yeah. So I, maybe that's what, maybe Janice, that's what meant. Janice means. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so. She also, uh, Janice said, you know, I didn't really treat her like a producer. She would always say, I'm the producer of the show. And I was like, oh, yeah, right, whatever. Uh, She said Tyra was also cheap and unappreciative, giving the crew members hamburgers or McDonald's Whoppers for Christmas presents. (laughs) (laughs) For Christmas presents? I just like McDonald's Whoppers. Like, she's clearly never been to either McDonald's or Burger King. (laughs) McDonald's Whoppers. Whatever. Uh, She also said she didn't like that CoverGirl Cosmetics was the one who actually selected the winner age cycle. According to Janice, the chance to have a CoverGirl contract campaign for a year was chosen by CoverGirl and not the model, not the judges. I believe that. I believe, and there's been a lot of speculation and discussions, and we'll get into that. Next yeah. week, when we talk about the nitty gritty of top model, but yeah, I wonder. So, I mean, I think that makes sense in a way. Well, like oh, it doesn't shock me at all because obviously they're the one taking this risk, right? Cover girl, they're I, not going to want to. I believe that they have a at least if if not if they don't pick the winner, maybe in such like right, they're probably a veto. They probably have veto power and they probably at least have a lot of say in it. I would guess that they're like, here's the last two girls. Who do you want? So they kind of like both the last two girls and cover girl probably has like pushes it over the edge for one of them. Yeah. Maybe it's their brand on the line. Absolutely. So that's the Janice Dickinson episode. Sorry. That was a long one. Don't, (laughs) don't apologize. That was a great two parter Desi. (laughs) I'm so I learned so many things not just about Janice Dickinson but about British television <laughs> actors from the 70s. I'm really excited to delve into America's Next Top Model with you next week. Me too. We're gonna have two weeks of talking about all things America's Next Top Model. We're gonna deep dive into Kristen Christopher Billings coming. Billings coming. We're gonna Biggins coming. Biggins coming. He's gonna get his own episode now. He should get his own episode. (laughs) Not and it won't have anything to do with crimes. It'll just be a dedication. And please, if he turned out to be some horrible person, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know that. We're yeah. We have we have no knowledge of this. We literally just heard about him today. Yeah, and we didn't even have his name right. No, so So you can't blame us. (laughs) 
We'll have some more pics. We should put up a Instagram story of Billings coming just for fun. It's, it's Biggins. Biggins coming. Biggins coming. Biggins coming. Big, big, that like Billings coming works too. Yeah, either one's fine. Anyway, we're going to record our after show and we will see you all later this week. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> <laughs> 